Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We're your hosts. I'm KJ. I'm Bod. Oh, Jessica. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sometimes when I'm with these people, I call myself Bod, but then I remember that I'm also with you people and you guys know me by Jessica. So I'm Jessica. Welcome. And I'm Taylor. And we're here to kind of reignite the Mm. podcast but um the flame of the podcast (laughs) we're coming about it a little differently because we used to edit every episode Mm. we would all listen to. we we can correct that kj Uh would edit it taylor and i would complain about things and make her edit it (laughs) yes but kj did all the work Yeah. (laughs) yeah i just carried the podcast on my back for years and Indeed. And we no we more. started to feel bad eventually. Yeah. So we yeah. decided to take it in a new direction. Yes. Yeah, so An easier direction. I mean, we're not freaking NPR. Maybe no. I thought we no. were for a while, but we don't need to be sounding professional. No. Really. Because no. we are professional. We don't need to pretend that we're more than we are because we already are that mm-hmm. we technically are professionals mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so yeah. it seems like it's good enough we're already there yeah. so why edit now mm-hmm. you know so here we come to you unedited uncensored unhinged oh jeez <laughs> not unreliable oh here we come. unhinged that's, that's but not unreliable <laughs> yeah yep we're gonna change our insta bio mm-hmm. don't worry <laughs> So we thought we'd do a little Q&A to just kick off season whatever this is of the podcast. But first, probably seven. we could probably just give a little update of why we ghosted our podcast for a year. Okay, well, some of us have a really good reason. And some <laughs> of us have mediocre reasons. <laughs> some of us were open with our listeners about the reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, so most of you guys know that I had twins and turns out that my twins put me through the ringer before they came here, right? You all know, if you don't know, you can listen to some of our latest episodes. I was in the hospital for two and a half months and then they were in the NICU for two weeks and then we came home and we had two weeks of like, oh, this is very hard. And then it went downhill from there, if you can believe it. And then we had four months of like, this is not really a possible way to continue to live where my girls would basically, both of them would just stop breathing to stop themselves from aspirating. So their bodies were like doing a good thing, but it just seemed like a really bad thing to me. So every time we laid them down on their, like flat on their back, they would spit up stop breathing then choke 
It was just a whole thing. So the best solution we came up with was to hold them upright 24-7. And we did that for about four months, um, which meant that we didn't sleep. (laughs) Well, we did sleep. Um, One of us would get to sleep from 9 to 2, and then the other one would get to sleep from like 2 to 7. So there was like some really good sleeping happening. Otherwise, we would just stay there. I bought a lot of stuff i'll tell you 1 a.m and it was very fun to like wake up and be like i wonder what i bought i've never related to that before but i definitely enjoyed finding out what i got i got a lot of christmas decor last year that i'm literally just this moment remembering that i got so we will i'm excited to pull that out soon um that's gonna be really fun and yeah so after about four months of that and like the they were born in August and then in January they kind of improved and were more like normal kids. So I'm so excited to pull it all out. It's just going to be like a whole new year because I truly cannot remember the last year of my life. And people told me that about having twins, like you won't remember what happens this year. And I was like, I'll remember. <laughs> but I look at pictures and I'm like, I don't remember that. So it was it was quite a year. I listened to every episode of Dateline. There's like 400 of them. So it was like not necessarily a banner year for me in terms of being productive or getting anything done with my life because I was stuck in a chair holding two babies eight to 16 hours a day, pretty much. So that's where I was. My twins now are very normal. I am emerging from the darkness that was the first year of their life. And they are so precious. My three-year-old is doing great. I am doing so much better than I was. I feel like I can live life again. It's very exciting for me. Like we can leave the house, me and three children, which was a hundred percent impossible to even leave the house with me and my husband and three children. So it's great. We're doing well. That's that's where I was. So yeah. it's like a good excuse, but also I hope no one has to use that excuse because it was a long year. Holy cow. Hey, what, can you top that? I, well, I mean, no. Short answer. <laughs> I mean, she no. will right now. <laughs> but I will tell you where I've been. So let's see. Last year. Oh, I, I think in our last one of our last episodes – I was like having contractions because I was so pregnant when we were recording. That's right. Yes. So I had my fifth baby, but fourth baby on this earth and final, Mm -hmm. final baby got delivered. She's done, guys. She is done. Yes. So I. (laughs) We cannot wait for the surprise pregnancy announcement that's going to come next year. put that out in the universe. (laughs) I will come for you. I know, it's true you would. <laughs> yeah, so we had our um our final baby, Lou Fox Thomas, and she was just the best baby. She's so sweet and all that stuff. It was a really good um delivery and all that stuff. And I, I always say I always say like I don't have to like I sound like an a-hole when I say that, but like I've had really difficult deliveries too. So I felt like this one was like I needed it. Going out with a bang. Like, I, yeah, we, we made, made it. it. So yeah. Anyways, yeah. And then I had um, four children in my house, which was insane. Mm. So that's like pretty much kids. all I've been doing is like figuring out how to raise four children. So it's been great. We went through the holidays. We moved. I've also done that. 
Um, we moved from yes. Los Angeles, California, and we moved up north to the Central Coast, uh, where we are from originally, my husband and I, and that was a beast of a move, moving with four kids and my, oh my so gosh, many kids, so yeah. many kids, and um, yeah, my husband like finished his training that he was doing, and now we moved, and we moved into a house, which is great, and I did six weeks of swim lessons this summer and started my kids in a brand new school. So we've just like transplanted our whole lives into a new spot and we're like figuring out how to create community and make friends. Holy cow. Making friends as an adult. Mm. And I know we've like the worst, but you can listen to our episode, episode on that. that. <laughs> Which I've definitely listened to recently. No joke because I forgot how to make adult friends. So I'm also challenging myself to introduce mm. myself to somebody at the school pickup every day. So that's been good. Good for you. Okay. Let's talk okay. about this phenomenon just so quick. Have you guys had this happen to you where you're somewhere and you're like, oh, I'm like making a mom friend. This is so exciting. You exchange numbers. Huge. This is a big deal because you're like, I would never do this. Maybe you're at a Target or a farmer's market or something, right? And then later they call you and they're like, I have a business that you would be so good for. And turns out that's just an MLM person <laughs> who was just trying to get you in their downline. As has happened to anyone else. It did happen to me. Of I course can't. it did. But... It, is, it was the worst and it happened to me and my husband separately like what are the chances do we have like mlm faces i don't know but we do kind of like drip desk like we're a little desperate to make friends so aren't we taylor all? just make sure no one so i need to be desperate to but not that desperate in order to make friends exactly that's like literally it's like a very yeah, medium place so anyways continue you're like yeah. my husband and i it happened but he just kept calling yeah. my husband, which seemed like a strange move. Yeah, and it would be it. like eight months in between mm -hmm. every call. Huh. So he'd forget oh, she existed and then she'd call. Like, oh, yeah, right. that weird interaction we had. That is I guess I thought the interaction right. was weird, but I guess you kind of loved it and thought you made fun. <laughs> <laughs> I personally am like, I was like, oh, anyone who has a kid the same age as my yeah. kid, I'll be best friends yeah, with. Like, that's fine. But apparently that I need to be more discriminating mm -hmm. than that, apparently. More so I learned my lesson. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, you know, that hasn't happened Somewhat to me yet, selective. but there's still time, you know? Yeah, because, well, now that you're introducing yourself to everyone, maybe they oh think gosh, that you're I, trying I'm to recruit that That's why nobody called me. <laughs> They're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. They're like, oh, my gosh, is she just trying to get me to sell essential oils for her? I don't know. The answer is yes. Um, yeah, so making adult friends is definitely a thing. So now I'm just doing therapy, raising our kids, and getting used to living in a new place and excited to be back on the podcast. Whoop. Yes. What about you, Cage? Well, let's see. So last October, we recorded, I think that's when maybe we recorded our last episodes or a couple mm -hmm. months before that. I don't remember. But um, I found out I was pregnant, I think, in November of last year. Whoop. Maybe. I had, I had that Shut baby up. in July. Oh. She is here, here on the earth now. And 
Yeah, it didn't feel quick, <laughs> but it was not comparable to Bob's situation of being pregnant. Nothing. Just yeah. nothing. <laughs> nothing is. Agreed. It's, that was just stupid. So. Um, but yeah, just like a lot of a lot of stuff, but like all good things, but a lot of busyness. Like had we like I had that. like 12-ish clients. I was working a little bit at an outpatient clinic and then also with my private practice and doing that in the evenings when my husband got off work from his job in HR and he's also he was a full-time grad student at the time as well as well as doing drill weekends for the National Guard. Um, so it kind of just felt like we were ships passing. For... Well, you guys don't sell that busy. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it felt like a lot. Like he graduated this past August and it just felt like, oh, like we could breathe a little bit again. Finally, yeah, yes. Like, yeah. Just it's just so it's hard to be in school in your thirties. You know, you're like just want to be done with that. You've done it for decades, literally. So, um, but yeah, it's been really a good experience um, postpartum this time around. Not being in a pandemic, um, like I've had a com- like a night and day experience with. Um, like the fourth trimester. So that has been great. Um, it's been, I mean, obviously there's hard parts to it, but just seems like I'm in a better place mentally. And I think round two was uh, just a lot easier for me than zero to one children. But yeah, we have just been living life where we're in Utah and we're kind of always wondering where we're going to move. I'm like on Zillow all the time, just trying to decide if we are going to be sticking here or moving to California. The world's kind of crazy. Yeah. Where it's just crazy over there with, I can't afford to live there. That's not on my radar. The worst. (laughs) Um, while I would love to be a coastal grandma, um, I know. you know, that would be a great aesthetic mm-hmm. to it's adapt. Vibe for sure. I'll just have to do that in the mountains, in the snow. You will. You will. Um, so we are going to do a little bit of Q&A with some questions we have gotten from you guys over on our Instagram. So the first question is how to navigate a long-term relationship if you have an insecure attachment style. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that is like the insecure attachments playground is a long-distance relationship. <laughs> yes. Distance is really, really tough. And, and I feel like we've talked a lot about that in terms of friends too, like proximity friends and yeah. distance friends and how that changes the dynamic. So, of course, it changes the dynamic when it comes to a romantic relationship. Just not feeling um, that person's energy face-to-face. Because you know what that's like. You can just sit in a room with somebody and not even talk or watch a movie or whatever, but you're sharing space with each other, which creates, like, connectivity. 
and then just increases and enhances the relationship. But when you're distanced, it takes a lot of mental and emotional energy to remain attached. Yeah. And I think what it takes is just really knowing your insecure attachment style well, because you may not always notice when you're doing things in the moment, but if you know it pretty well, you can reflect back and be like, oh, I was doing X, Y, and Z because I was being avoidant. Mm -hmm. Um, Like this question makes me think of when I was newly married Uh, My husband was deployed, and I was quite avoidant, like, through my dating years, a little bit in our relationship, but, you know, had worked through my attachment style and therapy and had kind of gotten a handle on it, and my husband is very secure, and so that really helped. But then, when he was gone and we were, like, across the world from each other, it really kind of brought up some old habits and tendencies. Um, But luckily, you know, I had really gotten in the weeds with my attachment style and knew it well. And so if I like wasn't responding to a text message or was trying to avoid a FaceTime or something, like I could check myself and be like, hey, I'm being avoidant right now. Why? Well, I'm being avoidant because... I'm sad. Like I'm sad that we're apart. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time with this or I had a really stressful day and he wasn't here to support me. And so I'm having like this misguided resentment towards him when it's like totally out of his control, but I'm like putting it on him, you know? And so kind of going through that dialogue with myself, talking myself through it and being like, okay, is avoiding connection really going to help me feel better yeah maybe for like a split second Mm -hmm. because it's like an old habit we do it for a reason it kind of validates whatever we have going on but it doesn't validate you long term and it just continues this like unnecessary suffering so then I had to lean into it and do the opposite action of what my avoidance was telling me to do and actually seek connection, initiate texts, initiate FaceTimes, respond to things in a timely manner um, instead of just kind of going down an old road. So I don't know if that is helpful, but um, that's that's what I did personally. Yeah. When I think it would be <clears throat> excuse me, I think it would be really good also to open up that dialogue with your partner. Because a lot of it is in long distance, you can do a lot of mind reading when you're feeling insecure, like, oh, they didn't text back because of this, or they didn't use their um, usual usual language in the phone call because they're interested in somebody else or not wanting me anymore, right? There's tons of mind reading and assumptions being made. So what you can do going into that relationship is coming up with some really good boundaries for the both of you and good habits, such as check-ins, right? If you can identify on a regular basis and connect with your partner, oh, they were feeling tired this morning. They told me that they were frustrated around lunchtime. They told me that they were 
anxious in the evening. They took me through all of their emotions during the day. So that makes a whole lot of sense why they didn't respond earlier to my text. That makes sense why they sounded short at lunchtime, right? Because they're a human having emotions. And if you can be cued into those emotions with that person, then you don't give into your insecurities of mind reading. You're like, you're a cued in partner. You're like, oh, you're anxious at lunch. Let me help you talk about that. Let me support you through that, right? And then you're more connected than you were before. But those are really good conversations to have with each other. And what that sounds like is, hey, I know long distance can be really scary. I have some fears about what it might do to our relationship. So what I think would be good is every week, every other day, every day, whatever you guys want to do, let's do an emotional check-in. That would look like this. And I think it would help us to stay connected, um, stay together, and continue to grow even though there's distance right now. Totally. Right. Question two was, I'm trying to raise emotionally healthy kids, but I struggle with knowing when to intervene when my kids are struggling to get along with other children. At what point does it make sense to get involved? Mm. playground drama right so much playground drama. drama. i think th- so there's obviously a very clear line of like it's time to get involved like safety uh, yes right? safety issues if your child is hurting someone else if someone else's child is hurting your child um if your child is using mean words or not like following proper playground rules over and over again you know what i mean like if they butt one time I would let the kids work that out. If they continue to butt, then I would be like, excuse me, child, that's not how we act on the playground, you know? Um, But I think it's so vital and important to allow kids to work these things out on their own. I have been going on walks pretty religiously with my girls um, for several months, and I have been privy to several kids on the playground like I watch them interact with each other and like figure it out. And honestly, when parents aren't there, they figure it out a lot of the time um, because that they're using the only skills that they have available, you know? And so they work it out. And sometimes that is, it's so funny to watch three girls interact. Right. Um, And that's two of them being like, well, we'll keep playing. And the other one's like, well, fine, I'll sit over here then. Cause I don't want to play that way, you know, but then they're like, okay, well, how about we do this? Or, you know, and they find something and they do it. And, and so I think a lot of times we want to intervene and you can kind of check yourself. Like, is this my desire to help my child? Am I feeling hurt? Because you have to separate like because they are a separate person from you. You know, am I wanting to engage? Am I wanting to protect them? Is this my thing? Or is this like they actually need my help because something is really happening? So a lot of times I would let the conflict escalate and I would watch it. And maybe if you're like, I'm going to intervene, I would count to 10 and then go do something, say something. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking yeah i think that's great advice yeah it's just like recognizing your own triggers what's coming up for you Mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna do a whole episode on this later tonight so tune into that 
in a few weeks. Yeah, in a few weeks. Okay, and the last question, how do you maintain a work-life balance with a baby? Ooh, that is tough, man. I have not had to do with this because I was like, can't do it, better not work, really. (laughs) <laughs> no, but it's similar i mean you you all just heard us talk about how we had to let the podcast go for a year yeah because we all had babies <laughs> like mm-hmm. um so not to say you need to give up your job but i think there's this whole idea that there that balance exists and i don't know that it does i don't I, think it does. I think it's um one of those things where like it sounds good mm-hmm. and a lot of people preach like you need to have a healthy work-life balance but then it just ends up making you feel bad that it doesn't feel healthy yeah, and balanced yeah, yeah. it's really, like it's the like, expectation right yeah. what is the expectation there right that you should have a completely balanced life that you should feel absolutely um, fulfilled and not overwhelmed through everything that you're doing and that's just not realistic right like when I think about it I've been working and ever since I started having babies almost eight years ago I've been doing the work baby life balance right Mm -hmm. I haven't really I haven't stopped working except for a few months like six weeks every time I had a baby for maternity leave and the way that I think about it I believe um that this happened in graduate school we had a woman come and talk to our class page. I don't know if you remember. It was um, it was like a CEO of a business, and she had a family, and she was discussing the work life balance. And she used this image of juggling, and she said, basically, you're just juggling balls like yeah. up air. And she said, and what I like to do instead of thinking of it as balance, I think of it as whichever ball lands in my hand. That is what I give myself to a thousand percent, right? But I can't hold it forever. So what I do then is I throw it back in the air, catch another ball, and that's the ball that I give a thousand percent for the amount of time that I'm holding it, right? So for me, that's how I view my work and my family and my kids. It's when I'm in session, I give myself a thousand percent as a therapist, And then the moment I walk back in with my kids, I'm a thousand percent as a mom, right? So the only thing there is figuring out the ratio, how much of myself am I give, how much am I putting on my plate in terms of family? How much am I putting on my plate in terms of work? And what that comes down to is being self-aware, right? If I'm working too much, I'm typically a little bit more impatient. I'm irritable. I'm agitated. I'm passive aggressive. So identifying your kind of red flags and then pulling back. So for me, that looks like um, I say I have like a really heavy month in therapy and I'm thinking, and I get four new emails about new clients, people that want to start. And I'm very tempted because every time I talk to somebody, my first thought is, oh, wow, I think we could do some really good work together. And then I'm like, let's do it. You know, I like really want to start. <laughs> and then I think about what are my flags? How many of my flags are waving in the air right now? I've definitely been irritable. I've definitely been passive aggressive. I've definitely been resenting my husband. You know, I've been doing all of these things and that's not good for me when I'm juggling. So I'm not going to take new people. I'm not going to start Boone and karate. I'm not going to do 
I'm not going to commit to this thing, you know, in the community or whatever, because my flags are waving. So I feel like for me, what's worked is like, give yourself a thousand percent when you're doing it, identify your flags and when they're waving, pay attention to them and then pull back in whatever way that you can. And I think being, I guess, cautious of taking in outside voices and opinions because I was talking to someone who was like, yeah, I like two weeks postpartum, I feel good and I go back to work. And I was like, oh man, that is not my situation. Like I, I need three months plus would be great, but at least three months. Um, and this time around, I, I cut my caseload in half when I came back because I was just like, I, I know what my bandwidth is right now. And it, I have lofty goals, I guess, to have like more people on my caseload, but it's not the time and season for me, but I could easily compare myself and do sometimes to other people that are, in my opinion, just killing it, you know, just like taking on everything, but you don't really know what's going on and it's just not fair to compare your situation to someone else's. And so I think just being, being mindful of how hearing how somebody else is doing it affects you and just kind of taking that in and being like, no, that doesn't have to be what I do though. Like if you have somebody who's working 40 hours a week and you know, being a mom, like, great. That doesn't have to be what you do. So. Yeah, that's really good advice. Just paying attention to that comparison. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. Mm -hmm. Missed it. (laughs) It's good to be back. And we will see you guys soon, probably with some meme therapy. And next we're going to record an episode on Gilmore Girls and Attachment Styles. Oh my gosh. It's fall. We're going to talk about the Gilmore Girls. It's already so cozy. Yeah, we just need some hoogie up in here. Oh, yes. Okay, we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Bryich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.